There's a Jonathan Colton song that's set entirely in a factory where robots make human slaves process widgets all day long. And that's fun. It's a pretty sweet music video. It's set in the style of like an 80s text-based computer game. Well, because we just brought up uh, Jonathan Colton, slavery, robots, widgets, all within five seconds of each other. I guess this is a good time to NSA that this is the Big Bang Theory Theory. Yay, it's a show we still do for some reason. Hi, I'm Nick. Hi, I'm Kyle. We've got to work on our natural ambivalence to our own podcast. I think it's sort of killing the vibe. Uh, I don't think I don't think it's the ambivalence, ambivalence towards the show as much as it is that you know we have ups and downs. And our last episode was a big up. We got we got us we had Chloe as a guest. We had super fun, sexy Judy Greer guest on the show itself. Uh, there was a lot to be excited about. Um, but you know, it's not always like that. We we can maintain as much energy as we can force ourselves to maintain. But today's episode, we were dealing with uh, a, a flashback episode. All, uh, all, oh, uh, I was just going to say, I would call this even the show, one of the show's first major mythology episodes. Do you know what Yes. I'm- yes, that makes sense. Um, it, it, it goes back in time, what was it, seven years to explain yes. the origin of the Leonard Sheldon roommate situation. And that is the entire focus of the episode. Which is uh, something, to be fair, that we have wondered about consistently since like the first or second episode of the show which is why do these two people live together what do either one of them possibly get out of it why why isn't leonard just leave and this episode kind of tries to answer those things although it doesn't really answer them it sort of answers how it started in a satisfying way but not why it would have continued all this time uh yeah i think it attempts to answer some questions sort of does it i don't know how successfully but i i i left the episode with more more questions than i'd originally had such as uh is leonard a pedophile and that's why when given a terrible living situation he had to accept it anyway because he knew that there's nowhere else that would take him okay do the summary and then come back to what clues in the episode made you think that he was a pedophile well, I mean, not specifically a pedophile. I guess any sort of sex offender, really. You were, but, just, you know, you were just trying to come up with an answer for why he seemed so desperate to take the first, like, apartment that he came yeah. across. Yeah, and I'm imagining, like, this map of the, the, the greater Pasadena, West Los Angeles area, and dotted with it are schools and playgrounds, each of which has a big circle around it. That's a no-no space for Leonard to live in. And around, if you, if you look, if you zoom in, in between all these circles, you will find one single apartment building that is untouched, that does not fall within the no zone. And there waits uh, Sheldon Cooper, just twiddling his fingers, waiting to take advantage of someone else who's taken advantage of someone else in a terrible way. Anyway, so we should actually talk about this episode. Yeah. Um, kind of already done two thirds of the short summary work though, because there's very little plot to this episode. It really is. Uh, it, it begins with Penny in her apartment, uh, painting her toes and overhearing Sheldon and Leonard arguing very loudly about the thermostat setting, uh, setting and Sheldon pointing to the roommate agreement that they've had ever since Leonard first moved in as the reason why Leonard can't adjust the settings beyond whatever parameters. Uh, and, and Leonard going, yeah, well, whatever, screw the roommate agreement. Who cares? Uh, and so they blow up. 
Leonard comes over to hang out with Penny, uh, which is weird because I, I think Penny was like pretty sour on Leonard after the last episode, and so either it's implied that they've made up, or I suspect that this really was just a filler episode, and they're like, regardless of the status of Leonard and Penny's relationship, we can just squeeze this episode in wherever we need to to serve when we're working on a bigger thing which means that my expectations for the next episode are not very high um but so they they start talking about the the whole living situation and this is where leonard uh tells tells penny the backstory which is uh it's pretty simple like leonard you know he started the university he's looking for a place to live he found the one magical dot not contained with any of the big sex offender circles and ended up at Sheldon's apartment. And as he's coming into the apartment building, the very first person he comes across is the former roommate who like stops him in the hallway and is like, run, run away while you can and leaves. And uh, as, as Penny criticizes Leonard for is like, that was your first sign and you kept going and it was like, well, how do I know that that guy wasn't the crazy one? You know, why not give it a try? Um, and so he does end up meeting Sheldon. Sheldon immediately, even before he lets, Leonard into the apartment is like, ah, oh, test one. And I can't remember the very first question. I, I remember there's a what's Kirk the or Picard. Noble, yeah, what's the uh, what's the six noble, noble gas? And, and then it is who's who's the better Star Trek captain? Uh Leonard passes the test, comes in, he has another series of tests. Uh Sheldon is basically intensely interviewing him and taking down all of his answers into his little uh application form he keeps for himself about who is adequately nerdy and subservient to be able to live with Sheldon. Uh, and then, yeah, he moves in. You skip ahead a little bit to the first time Leonard invites over Raj and Wallowitz. Uh, and that creates a whole nother situation where also Leonard buys a couch and Sheldon's like, Oh, why'd you get rid of the couch? We just had lawn furniture. It's like, yeah, but it was just lawn furniture. You can't have guests over. It's like, maybe that was by design, Leonard. Waka, waka, waka. Uh, and it was, but, as as has been the theme of the sh- the entire show, a theme of the entire show, is uh, no one can fucking handle Sheldon. And Wallowitz and Raj immediately are like, why do you spend time with this person? This is terrible. We need to leave now. And so they, they try to leave with, with Leonard to go to Wallowitz's to, to play video games and do whatever else. And Sheldon's like, oh, great. I'll grab my jacket. And they have to stop and say, no, you are the person we're escaping from this is the beginning of the relationship and we need to make it clear to you that you are not wanted. Goodbye, Shelton. Um, and then they go to Wallowitz's place. Wallowitz is working on a, a model rocket. Uh, Leonard is like, oh, hey, great. Uh, I, I might have secret experimental governmental fuel I'm working on that could go inside of that rocket. Um, we also skipped over a bit where Sheldon walks in on Leonard trying to have a lady over and they're making out. Uh, but it turns out the lady was probably a North Korean spy trying to get the secret of the rocket fuel that Leonard was working on. Waka waka. Um, and so anyway, cut back to them going to Leonard and Sheldon's apartment. They're putting together the, 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 I don't, the fuel for the rocket. I, I don't know if they're like concocting it right there or whatever, but they've got a big metal container that they're I mixing think he's stuff into. Filling it because as it, as it turned, like you can't put like rocket fuel rated for a full size rocket in a model without doing something to it first. Yes. And so they, they're doing that something to it. Sheldon comes out and is like, Oh, Hey, you know, you're not good. That's not going to work. Your calculations are wrong. 
Leonard puts his foot down and is like, I'm sick of this shit. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to put this. Oh shit. It's on fire. <laughs> um, and something starts happening with the fuel. Uh, long story short, they ended up ditching it in the elevator. Sheldon leaves it in there and throws Leonard out of the elevator and gets out. So Sheldon, so Leonard doesn't totally blow himself up with it. And that explains why over this entire series, the elevator is never worked because Leonard blew it up and Sheldon basically had to save his life, which I guess also explains a lot twides, towards while, uh, why Leonard is putting up with Sheldon this whole time is that Sheldon literally saved his life. Um, and that's really the episode. Then Penny is like, oh, ha ha, I guess I understand your crazy relationship now. And Leonard go back, goes back to the end of the apartment with Sheldon and they get into another fight over Babylon 5 because everyone fucking loves him and remembers Babylon 5. Well, uh, Sheldon. Episode over. But I guess we should talk about the actual episode if we're going to talk about anything at all as much as i want to know about babylon 5 um and i don't know like feel free to jump in about anything that you thought was kind of interesting about the episode i feel like this was kind of not nothing stood out to me too much except for a few moments for instance um when sheldon is interviewing leonard about uh being a roommate and is asking him all of his ridiculous nerdy interview questions one of them is uh, in a post-apocalyptic scenario, which is the f- f- most important thing to establish first? And the options are like um, finding a long-lasting food source, uh, reestablishing the government, Procre- uh, procreation, and uh, preserving the knowledge of humankind. Sorry, I talked. And, 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 yeah, you did. You did, didn't you? Uh, and, and Leonard says, well, preserving the knowledge of humankind, of course. And Sheldon says, yes, that's great. Any answer would have worked except for procreation. And this is the first time I think, at least I'm aware of that uh, Sheldon has taken uh, an actively anti procreation stance. I think up until this point, he's, Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say up until this point, he's been a very non-sexual being and I've just kind of taken that for granted, but I've never thought of him as anti-sexual. I've never thought of him as this is something that is not worth humanity's time and that they shouldn't be doing. Well, I, to I just be honest, kind of figured it wasn't for him. Yeah, I'm not sure that he's uh, the philosophical position that I think is closest to what you're articulating. It's called antinatalism. Um, and believe it or not, there are people who, famous philosophers who advocate for this. And this is basically the idea that the human race is a mistake. We shouldn't all kill ourselves because that's a little extreme, but we should definitely stop having children. Like, we should just have the bravery. Well, but except that Sheldon obviously. Sheldon obviously believes that humanity's knowledge is worth preserving, you well, yes, know, presumably he, for he further he, humans. I don't think so. I think he believes the aliens are going to come and he wants to leave monuments to his genius that will be appreciated by a superior race. So he, he thinks like, oh, you know, us as a species, we wanged it. But we did have some good developments. We should at least leave enough behind so that future species that happen upon us can know that in our own cute or little primitive way, we tried our best. I don't know that. I'm just saying that would be the most interesting position for him to take. You're right. It's not philosophically consistent with like his whole, and we should also like preserve like the, any answer except procreation thing does imply that he is exist. He's interested in like continuing the security of the human race. He just doesn't think it should be our top priority. So I think you're actually closer to right. I just wanted to talk about antinatalism and how wild it is. that There are like, like 
very high profile famous people who are like, no, stop having children. This is bad. We're just fucking up the world and we don't deserve to exist. Just stop it. Um, and their arguments, when you, look, when you look closely at them, pretty convincing. Consciousness is a curse. It's actually, uh, you know, the show is, I think will mostly be remembered for how like uh, pretentious it pretended to be while not actually being all that substantive. But basically like the whole reason True Detective exists is because like the guy who was creating that show read a book on antinatalism. He was like, yes, I can turn this into like a detective show because that's basically the whole point of that show is like Matthew McConaughey running around being like human consciousness is a mistake. Well, now I'm interested in that show. Nothing else has sold me on it up to this point. But so, and, hooray. But uh, I think, okay, I think probably, yeah, more accurately, uh, if you want a more accurate summation of Sheldon's position, it might be this. Unless we can uh, restore humankind's scientific uh, achievements and greatness and we can preserve those, then we don't deserve to exist. Like the idea that humanity is fine as long as it keeps going and we keep churning out babies is bullshit. It's like, we have to we have to be able to have like science and government or you know just reverting to cavemen on its own would obviously be a net loss and not worth it and that i think i probably agree with too maybe i don't know i think i think going back to yield cape and times would be all right you know anyone that like causes a stink you just club them that's pretty simple uh and uh you get you get your food you get your sex you get devoured by wild beasts because we well, haven't would, tamed the wildlands yet. Nick, I hate to break it to you. You would not get sex. You would be a hopeless beta who would be crushed under the alphas of the prehistoric times, the great primordial chads who roam the wastes with their... I don't know. Their, I'm, I, right now, am, am restricted by beliefs in myself and belief in society that really, that really just bum me out, that put me, put me down. But if I were unrestricted, if I were like, life is just living, baby. I just want a fucking final night. Maybe I'd club some skulls. <laughs> Maybe I would bludgeon some people in the paste and then look at another girl and be like, hey, you're, you got strips of fur on. So do all of us. That's pretty interesting, right? You want to go kiss somewhere? I'll crush another skull if I have to. I'll crush another skull if I don't have to. I didn't know until now how much I love crushing skulls. Whatever we were talking about that date, never mind. I'm being true to myself for the first time. And you're, you just, were right all along, Kyle. I'm not having sex because I love crushing skulls so much. I can just see you wandering, wandering the wasteland in your assless chaps with your hockey mask on, being like, yes, finally I am who I was meant to be. Yeah. Oh. I wish. Man, you know, I hear there are some signs. I don't know how reliable just yet, but that a lot of the COVID uh, is starting to peak, that there are certain areas, which I know there's like a whole issue about whether you can like unlock certain areas and not others when there's global pandemic going on. But there are certain local governments that are like, I think we're just about through it. Maybe we can open again. But like, what if we, we just let, let it go wild so we get closer to this apocalyptic state where I can crush skulls. Of course I'll be one of the ones who lives through it. I know I'm one of the strong ones. Just give me a chance. Just give me a chance at a big stick. Oh, I just need to prove myself. Um, anyway. Uh, Raj so, is wearing a silly outfit in this episode. I guess we could talk about that a little bit. I don't know. Um, well, everybody, apparent, like, apparently like the way they decided to show flashback was let's just give them all big hair. Um, 
which is i'm sure that's probably accurate you know they're all young hippies who haven't learned the virtue well raj i'm focused on though because because raj is like walowitz is still retro weirdo um Leonard, so th- in, in seven years prior in the flashback raj has a retro weirdo it's just like a more i don't know flamboyant's the right word he looks grosser somehow he looks he's hairier and dirtier um no but see the thing about raj though is he's not like he's not just more robust and hairier he is specifically wearing a miami vice getup, and that i do not understand is it like a joke yeah, like he was wearing like the big white linen suit and like it was like a like a hot pink or like a baby blue shirt, one of the two. Like if you look up right now, Don Johnson or whoever else was in Miami Vice, I don't remember. That was like the default garb. Like that is maybe I'm crazy, but I feel pretty confident that Raj specifically was like wearing the getup of the detectives in Miami Vice, and I do not understand why. And maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I was like, is this a joke about how like India culturally like is where America was a couple of decades prior? Is that even a thing? Is there some sort of thing about Indian people really liking Miami Vice? I don't understand what this is uh, and I never will. But seeing as you are not on board with this question to begin with, I cannot, I cannot, I, I cannot rely on your guiding interpretation either. Well, um, what, no, it is a fair question. Uh, yeah, I mean, okay, building canon. So maybe n- this could be true. Maybe that's what he thinks. Because, you know, I've heard this, you know, in uh, basically living in a foreign country, you always get like American, you always consume like American media, but there's always a lag. So maybe he grew up watching Miami Vice and he just assumed like, oh, that's what things look like over there in the U.S., yeah, it's like, that's their whole culture in a nutshell. Like he watched Magnum PI and Miami Vice, and he was like, "Yeah, I'm not too much into Hawaiian shirts, but this other thing, this cocaine and white suits thing, I can do. Platform shoes, I'm in, I'm down." Oh, Kyle, you just fucked me up. You you made me think of Raj doing the Miami Vice thing, wearing short shorts and a half button Hawaiian shirt, big old thick mustache, and I'm so into it. I'm so in love with Raj like that. And I'm, I'm very disappointed that that neither was his style nor is likely to be his style because, oh, that would be gorge. I'm frustrated now. Uh, this is what happens. This is why, he, this is why consciousness is a curse. It allows us to ask questions not about just how things are, but how they could be. And we have to gorge? realize that those things are unattainable. Huh? You said gorge? I said gorge. You've been watching too much Natalie Wynn. Uh, I've been watching just enough Natalie Wynn. (laughs) Um, So the thing that mostly uh, drew me in is I was surprised by, like, it's like they wanted to cram in every prior reference that they could that the show has ever made, Um, which is fine. Like, it it was neither annoying nor particularly funny. It was mostly just surprising that they remembered. Like, I did not expect the show to remember, like, half of those joke, like, half of those, well, this is what the apartment complex looked like before Penny got here, and this is where our lives were, like, uh, comments. Sort of like your filler arc thing. Maybe it, maybe it's just, maybe this episode is just, like, they wrote it back in, like, season two, and then they've just been sitting on it this whole time, the script. Yeah. Um, because several things come up that, like, I never expected them to ever call back to. Like, you, the, I did remember... Um, I think it is the first episode where they talk about how um, 
they they talk about in the first and second episode about how the person who lived in Penny's apartment before Pat, Penny was a large cross-dressing man. Um, yeah, I was surprised it brought that back. They never was... came back to it or made another reference to it again. So when uh, when they actually you actually meet that person in this episode for all of five seconds, and uh, it's probably a little transphobic the joke, but all in all, it's a pretty tra- it's pretty tame. Um, but uh, yeah, they're not particularly mean spirited about it, but it still is like oh, look at the freak. Yeah, well, not just that, but like you have the person that that is you know the 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 quote-unquote freak and it's that person who's like watch out for the crazy guy across the hall and you're like okay i get it Uh, um so yeah that i had a little note on that they made the call back to that i also uh i've kind of gone through all my notes except for like a little throwaway thing near the end about how uh wallowitz's mom when that when the three of them run away from sheldon to go hang at Wallowitz's place is very upset that her bathtub Oreos are missing. And uh, I just really support that. And I'm going to start doing bathtub Oreos for now. I don't even take baths. I need to start taking baths so I can have Oreos in the tub. Um, but yeah, I don't know what, any, also, anything else jump. There we go. Also Joyce Kim, which uh, they had actually talked about her before. Okay. I did not remember her at all. So I'm glad that that's rung a bell for you. I mean, yeah, no, because they were like, because when he's talking about, uh, in the episode, both with, where he's pining after Penny and where I think the first episode where he hooks up with uh, Leslie Winkle, he's like, they're, they're all talking about, well, the last person you had sex with was Joyce Kim before she went back to North Korea. Um, although they make it sound in that one like they were actually, you know, as opposed to this episode where it's not clear that they actually hooked up, it, uh, it does seem like they were hooking up for a while in that one. Um, but Maybe I guess this... they must have been hooking up at her place so that he he never got a chance to show her his fancy rocket fuel plans. Maybe Leonard is so close to being a virgin that making out with a girl without her shirt on to him is the the beginning and ending of hooking up. Like sex would be included in hooking up, but just getting to, to first or second base or whatever, also hooking up. You've got to lower your standards for you when you're still in the junior leagues. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to explain that. Um, no, you're not wrong. It's uh, it's sad, but I I get it. Uh, but yeah, I don't really know what else to say other than like we we have yet another episode that that doesn't clarify uh, why people hang out with Sheldon as much as it does just reinforce how much everyone dislikes him and how no one should have spent their time with him in the first place. Okay, so real question: oh, If oh, someone oh. saved your life, how long? Like, what do you owe to that person? Like. If it really you, if someone like, you know, um, like tackled you and stopped you from getting hit by a car, um, like to what extent would you feel an obligation to that person? And how, how long do you think it would last before natural inertia was like, whatever, that was a long fucking time ago. Ooh, like I could give you, I'm not going to give you the answer that I want to think hard about. or feel like I should give my instinct answer is I would, I would bake them a cake. And then I would move on with my life <laughs> because it's like, like, yeah, oh, go ahead. no, go ahead. As you say, like, I don't need that shit hanging out over my, over me the whole time. It's not like that person, you know, care. I, I doubt that someone, okay. I guess that there are different circumstances. Let's say that I had a longstanding problem that a friend became very personally involved with and had to execute a long-term plan 
to help me save my life. Then I'd be like, shit, I'm with this person for the long haul. This is someone who is very much uh, shown that I'm a priority in their life and they should be a priority in my life. And until they do something very mildly annoying that I decide I just can't really deal with and I have to end the friendship over it, we're in this forever. But if I'm in front of a bus and someone pushes me out of the way of the bus, I'm just like, thanks, bro. That was nice. I will repay you by, I don't know, shoving you out of the way of something too. I don't know. Kind and kind. I will, I will give them the equivalent of a good shove and then I will move on with my goddamn life. I guess, you know, I get that you're trying that, but that makes perfect. It's like, it's actually, it's in relation to the amount of thought and yes. like effort it, it takes to do it. Cause we would like to think that most people would, cause it doesn't really cost you anything to push someone out of a bus. And I guess it didn't really cost. I mean, I think what makes the, uh, I guess the only thing that makes Sheldon's is there's a brief moment where he might actually have gotten himself blown up. Yes. Um, Probably not, though, because he apparently knew like down to the second when that thing was going to uh, actually explode. And so it's not that hard to imagine that if he had decided there wasn't enough time, he would have just been like, well, time to find a new roommate. I want the alternate timeline where Sheldon knows exactly what's going to happen and does nothing <laughs> because he he has no bond with these people. <laughs> um, and so the next roommate comes to to look at sheldon's apartment and sheldon has to explain that he got most of the human-based debris out of the the walls but that there are still little bits because bones leave marks and you can't just smooth it all out all over again yeah particularly the teeth are hard to get so there might be some teeth in the walls but if you find a tooth in a wall (laughs) you've been given the reason for it if you ask me why there are teeth in the wall that violates the roommate agreement (laughs) because it falls under a very long list of questions that we have already gone over and do not ever need to be asked again that's that's what that is that's like probably the best joke in the episode just because it's a strong visual joke is that when leonard first sees his new uh his new bedroom it has die sheldon die scrawled on the wall and yeah. in like red it's german print. it's the sheldon the yeah <laughs> yeah it, it, now but red paint or blood or well, other I, substance it's obviously it's red paint, but it's supposed to look like blood. It's obviously supposed to look like something like from the shining. So yeah. And Sheldon's um, reaction is just, Hey, you may want to repaint in here. So also, I don't know if it's a goof or if they just changed rooms later, but I'm pretty sure the room into which Sheldon led Leonard to his bedroom later on actually turns out, actually, I don't know the layout of their apartment. Never mind. I'm giving up on whatever the fuck I was just talking about. Well, no, it's definitely, it's uh, Sheldon's room. Like Leonard's room is at the end of the hall the bathroom is at the beginning of the hall and Sheldon's room is somewhere in between those two. Yeah. Uh, it's somewhere. I think that's consistent. Everything is somewhere. I don't know. Um, all right. Now we're at uh, crossroads. If you have anything else left to talk about this episode, please do. Otherwise I'm ready to move on to the nerd recommendations. Nope. Not- all right. I got nothing. Um, well, with nerd recommendations, would you like to start or shall I? Uh, I'll start because mine's pretty light. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to talk about the game that I've been playing the most this week because it's embarrassing. But um, is, Oh, is it the game that we talked about before we started recording the podcast? You were, you were really embarrassed about it? 
Yes, and I'm not going to talk about it. I'm, all right. I'm going to be super cool and not mention it. I just want everyone to know that, yes, it is very embarrassing, and Kyle should be ashamed for enjoying himself. Um, yeah, I think we say Okay, so uh, last... Uh, in, it's in quarantine, so I've been looking for a lot of like mindless, like engaging video games, that, but like that require like because I don't have it in me. I've discovered to like actually chill out and play for like five hours at a time. It just reminds me too much of how much free time I have. So what I like is a game that, I, but I do like that I can just stop whatever I'm doing at any point in my day and play a video game for like ten minutes um, and feel like there's absolutely no one judging me for it. So I've been looking for games that sort of satisfy that itch. And uh, the game last week that I was playing a lot of, uh, oh, crud, now I can't remember it. Uh, Just a second, I'm looking up the name of it. It must have made a real big impact on you. Well, no, because it's it's sort of a, it's a lead-in. One Step from Eden is the game. Uh, It's available on the computer and on Switch. Um, You play like, well, you can actually unlock different characters, but basically it's you you it's a real time battle game, but you you play your attacks are all deck based so you pull cards out of a deck um, and you use them and they 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 attack the other side of the grid, but you still have to move and dodge the other person's attacks and everything and it sounds incredibly unintuitive um, but it's actually it's based on the battle system from Mega Man Battle Network. So I don't know if we've ever, okay. like, you were like a huge Mega Man fan. But I never got into the Battle Network games. I was, oh I like, the, I, I played a little bit of one of them, but mostly I was like the OG series and the X games, and that's me. That's fine. Uh, well, mostly that's why I realized is that somehow you being a Mega Man fan, I don't ever even think of myself as a Mega Man fan, but I was super into those Mega Man Battle Network games as like a kid, I think because the difficult, like, well, they're just a completely different type of game. Um, and also like a different aesthetic, like in a lot of ways, they're almost visual novels. Cause a lot of it is just walking around and like talking to your high school, like your friends in middle school and like, uh, you know, solving like minor, like, Oh, Hey, why is the washing machine broken? Oh, because it has a virus. I better dive inside the washing machine and battle all the viruses and get them out. But, um, cool. It had a yeah, it had it had a core gameplay loop that was both very satisfying, but also very easy. Like even as a pretty young kid, to like grasp, and the story was for what it was. I really enjoyed it, and I, I'm not the only. I know a lot of people, but that's actually I, I realized as I was thinking about, uh, as I was looking up the reviews of this game. Um, it's actually easily my favorite favorite Mega Man games. Is like the first three Battle Network games, of which I think the second one is generally considered to be like the best of the whole franchise. Um, yeah. So I would recommend that to anyone. One Step from Eden, mm, not quite as, I think it has a couple, it is actually, it's pretty fun and satisfying to play, but I think the biggest problem is A, there's no story to it at all. It's entirely like roguelike. So you're just, uh, you're just like, you, you play until you die and then your deck resets and then you play again. I see. Um, and there's no story. There's just an escalating series of battles, which are, and this is the bigger problem, way too fucking hard like what's obviously going on here is that whoever created this game like was really in the Mega Man battle network but they were like really into it they were like you know what this game really needs it needs a difficulty curve that like someone who has been playing these obsessively for 30 years and knows every single quirk and and trick of it would really want to play and so it is so hardcore 
that uh that like of like the stages that the game is broken up into like for the first week I was playing it I could not consistently make it like past the first like stage and then after playing it for about three weeks I could make it to the third stage and I stalled like it is just it is impossibly difficult I'm I'm sure there are people who are like really into it and will get really good at it but it's not like compared to the difficulty curve of this of like the old games it is ridiculously hard and I'm actually it's an interesting point of judgment because I don't mind that it's that it has a hard difficulty but I don't understand why that's the deep like that's the base difficulty like why is there not an e like it seems like it would have been because the main thing is it's just the attacks are all way too fucking fast on like the other side like you have to have perfect timing it seems like you could have pretty easily oh and they do like ridiculous amounts of damage so it seems like you could have pretty easily had like a hard mode and like a normal mode um Mm. and maybe even an easy mode and why whoever created this game didn't think to do that is baffling to me sounds like someone needs to get good i've been reading the steam reviews everybody else says the same thing like i would love this game if it weren't so fucking impossibly hard yeah but you're right it's probably like dark souls mania all over again um i mean it very well could be but something i never really talked about not really worth talking about is like i can't play the dark souls games too stressful for me um not even just that they're difficult but that like i'm always afraid like even a little enemy, if I like make one mistake and I'm not like alert and thinking about what's going on, it can totally wreck my shit. And so I hate being like on edge all the time. I don't know if it's similar with the game you're playing, but I have a I have a hard time with those games. It's just stressful. It is stress. I don't I don't mind. I don't know. I yeah. I think it's mostly just like any t- any time where I feel like I'm getting uh, I'm getting spammed. Like basically any time where I feel like okay, the only anytime where i feel like the only way to survive a situation is just by playing it so many times that luck kicks in on your side and like the bad guys just you know fuck up their coordination because the ai isn't properly like you know it can't like perfectly sync up its strategy 100 percent of the time i get frustrated yeah all right and what was this game again one step from eden was that it i mean i guess my real recommendation is everybody go like because the emulator is really easy to find and you can get it on your computer everybody go download the game boy advance emulator and play like the first couple mega man battle network games yeah um but also yes one step from eden for the switch after even though i've talked shit about the difficulty i'm sure some people would enjoy it okay uh i will go through mine kind of quickly because uh, I don't have like a super strong nerd recommendation this week. Because okay, three things. Uh, I started playing the Final Fantasy VII remake. I started playing it like last night, so I don't have strong enough feelings to recommend it yet. But something that is bringing me great comfort in these times, I, I hope I haven't brought this up already, is a little cute Canadian sitcom called Shit's Creek. Uh, it's one of those things where everyone is like, you have to get through the first season before it gets good which is always like a big warning sign because I'm like, oh, see, I just have to invest at least eight hours into something before it starts to become worth my time. I have to like, I, I, I hate anytime anyone recommends a show and they're like, just slog through the awkward hours long early stages and it'll be fine. But hey, you want to know something? You get through the first season of the show. It's a pretty good sign. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll keep that in mind because I know a lot of people are really into that, so I may watch it. It's okay. Like I'm, I'm recommending it just because it has been comforting to me over like the last couple of weeks where I've like really had to hunker down and haven't had much else to do. It's a very chill show, but I mean, it's a sitcom, you know, it's, it's got, I, I think it's fairly 
they're not fairly unique at all. I guess it's, it's got a lot of likable characters. It's got distinguishable, likable characters. The situations aren't that ridiculous. It doesn't have like a whole lot of like explosively hilarious things going on. But if you want to see nice damaged people doing their best in a small town, heck why not? So that's as much as I'm going to recommend this week. It's the show is fine. It's getting me by. I would recommend it. If you want a chill, totally fine above average sitcom. No, I dig that. Waka doo doo. Yeah. Thank you for that. Uh, Thank you for that recommendation. All right. Well, we should, we should wrap up. Uh, Yeah, this was nice. Thoughts and prayers. Oh, now you made it gross. This is always fun talking to you though. I'm glad you're, uh, glad you're keeping trucking. Yeah. Likewise. Uh, Hooray. We continue to live, which is fine. Yeah. That's whatever you're talking about for you.